Are you concerned about the air that you're breathing, especially with increasing air pollution? We all know how vital indoor air quality is, and here's where Puro Air steps in to make the difference. Did you know that indoor air can be up to 100 times, 100 times dirtier than the air outside? That's where Puro Air comes to the rescue. In just 30 minutes, this revolutionary device can transform the air in your room by removing allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases. But what sets Puro Air apart is its cutting-edge HEPA-14 filter, a powerhouse that tackles pollutants at a microscopic level. And it's not just me saying that, Puro Air is backed by scientists from both Harvard and MIT. I personally loved having a Puro Air purifier. I feel like I can breathe again, especially after battling congestion for like the last month. Winter can be tough, but within an hour, it was crazy. I could feel my sinuses beginning to open up. I slept through the night without coughing, and I've been sleeping so much better now that we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special. And Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite armoire looks. Looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style/slash minimalist. That is armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane, my mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. My guess is if you surveyed any mom, or we'll say most moms, she'd likely tell you that she desires more intentional time with her child or children. Whether she's a working mom or stay-at-home mom, our days fill up fast. Not to mention, as our family grows or inevitably as our children grow older, it can be tricky to find the time to intentionally pursue them. Tricky, but not impossible. So here today to offer wisdom from her own experience as a mother to seven children is founder of Chatbooks, Vanessa Quigley. She talks about what she's done to initiate stronger relationships with each of them and how we can apply some of these same methods in our own lives. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. All right, I don't have a personal minimalist moment of the week for you, but I did share on Instagram a few days ago a tip that I had, and it's you may find it helpful to recruit a friend or family member to assist you as you make decisions on what to keep and what goes. So I just quickly want to tell you what this looked like for me. I had a coworker that I'll just say that she was a very direct, bluntly honest individual. And I asked her one day, I'm like, can you help me narrow down my wardrobe choices? I had already taken everything out of my closet at this point. I knew what I wanted to put back into my closet, but I had a maybe pile that I just couldn't narrow down. So this is where my tip 
might not be for everyone. It's not necessarily constructive criticism, but I want someone to be honest and tell me, no, that isn't the most flattering thing, or no, that's out of style, or no, that doesn't look great on you. If, if you can't hear that something doesn't look great on you, I don't recommend this because there are things that do look great on you, and I want to wear the things that look great on me. I want someone to be able to tell me, hey, not, not so much. That color doesn't look great on you, or hey, this isn't the style for you. So again, this probably doesn't work with everyone, but if you're someone that feels like you could be comfortable with that, whether it's a friend or a family member, maybe not a husband. I think that that could lead to weird resentment and bitterness. But anyways, if you have a good friend or a coworker or someone that is, honestly, I wasn't even that great of friends with this girl that came over. I just knew that she would really help me narrow these things down, and I, that's what I needed. So that is my tip for you this week. I'm very curious to know if you've ever enlisted help from a friend or just an outside perspective in general when it comes to decluttering. There's that post still up on Instagram. I'd love to know your thoughts. That's really all I have for you this week. So let's get into this conversation with Vanessa. Vanessa, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I cannot wait to hear more about chat books and how that has influenced your motherhood. And we're going to dive in today to the topic of building personal relationships with our children, especially when we have many children. So I can't wait to pick your brain here a little bit, but before we get into the conversation, I'll go ahead and allow you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Yes. My name is Vanessa Quigley. Um, I'm the oldest of 12 children who said that she wanted six kids. That would be the perfect family for me. And then I ended up with seven. I have a wonderful bonus baby who is now 13. My oldest is 26. Um, I love big families. Um, I grew up in Florida and also said I would always live by the beach and now I live in Utah. So (laughs) never say never. Uh, I am a trained classical singer. I wanted to be an international opera singer when I went to school and um, now I'm an entrepreneur. So again, another example of how sometimes things don't work out the way you planned, but life is good and I'm just happy to be here. And I've, I've loved what I've learned from you in the content that you've put out, um, being, um, I'm a, um, what do I call my, like a closet minimalist. I love all the theory behind it. I love all of it. It's just sometimes hard to put into practice, but. Oh yeah. I mean, it's still hard for me sometimes too. I totally get it sentimental items can be the trickiest to part ways with. And I'm always getting on my husband. I'm like, why do you still keep this? Why do you still keep this? And it's easy to like give it to someone, but then I have this mug that I'm actually, I know it's really silly, a mug that I can't Mm -hmm. just get rid of, but my aunt gave it to me, but I'm like, I have so many mugs, but my aunt gave it to me and she went out of her way to get it for me. So like, I want to keep it, but I don't need it. So it it can be hard. Well, you know what? I would say mugs are one of the funnest things to hang on to. We, we keep them up on the top shelf in our kitchen and none of them match. They're all random, but they're all tied to a specific memory. Um, so I approve of that. No. And I feel the same way. Ours are exactly in the same place. They're up on the high shelf. There's different types of mugs that again, represent a different memory. But I also preach like if you're only using a couple of mugs, why do we have this cabinet full of mugs? I don't host. So I don't know. I just like go back and forth, but anyways, I'm digressing. I'm digressing. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know again about chat books. And I think that we'll talk about it throughout our conversation here, but I first want to know, you said you have seven children. What does it look like for you to build personal relationships with each of your children? Well, it's changed a lot over the years, as you can imagine. Um, and I've tried lots of different things like, and 
in my earlier days of motherhood, I was very scheduled and structured, and I would try to set regular lunch dates or a rotation of special days where each of the kids have a have a special day. Um, we even started something with our oldest. Uh, we call it the 15-year-old trip. Somehow he was able to go to Costa Rica with my husband and everyone thought it was unfair. We're like, from now on, when you're 15, you get a special trip with the parents. But even that has fizzled out over the years. No, the way I spend time, uh, personal time and build relationships with each kid, recognizing that we're already spending so much time together and it's not the quantity of the time, but the quality was a big turning point for me. We didn't need a special outing or a special trip, but it's what we do when we are actually physically together that makes all the difference. And so taking my AirPods out when I'm in the middle of a good audiobook or, you know, putting my phone down instead of scrolling Instagram has been key for me. And, you know, now that my kids are older, I only have two living at home right now. Actually, that's not true because my daughter who got married this summer, their lease fell through. So she and her husband are actually living in our basement, but it's very short term. But I've, you know, I've had kids leave the nest and that, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but it does bring bring to reality that your time is actually short together. And so when I have my kids actually physically in front of me, it's all about putting them front and center in my mind. And my goal is always to get them talking, get them talking. And then my job is to listen until the time is right. As they get older, I've learned that your time to talk is when they ask you for your opinion, especially my adult kids. But like yesterday, for example, um, my oldest daughter, she she doesn't love to cook, uh, but she expressed some interest in putting together a nice fall meal for our family. So I capitalized on that and we got into the kitchen and we got cooking and we had some good conversations and relationship building. Um, and then my daughter, Claire, wanted to go for a walk. And so it was a little cold and rainy for my taste, but I took advantage of that time and we went walking and she was able to open up a little bit about some of the boy problems that she's having right now. Not problems, just learning experiences, like even just doing a puzzle. We Okay, this is one of my mom hacks. Some of the best times with my older kids, especially teenagers, they're notoriously hard to get talking Relationships are always built through conversations and connecting. Having a puzzle out has been a game changer. We actually discovered this through COVID because I'm sure lots of other families were doing puzzles. But I realized that as we all gathered around a big thousand piece puzzle working on it, and we weren't necessarily looking each other in the eyes, but just spending time together, the kids started talking. We had some of the best conversations over our puzzling. So it's not about the time, but it's about the quality and what you're doing. And for me, like I said, it's all about connecting through conversations. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I'm noticing that as my kids get older too, that I'm having to be a lot more intentional about that because they're not just babies, which I mean, I talked to my two-year-old too, but uh, just being intentional with my seven-year-old and asking her questions about her day. And now that we're homeschooling, it's like, we're constantly talking and learning together, but I was listening to a book on tape the other day. It was called, I can't believe you just said that by Ginger Hubbard. And one of the things that she mentioned in that book was as stay at home moms, it can be really easy to be on our phones, having phone calls and taking phone calls throughout the day, because it can be, it can feel kind of lonely if we're not around a ton of adults. And she was just saying how to try and limit that because we might be cooking lunch or doing something during that time that we're taking a call, but really to put that focus back on our kids and talk to them during those times. And that that doesn't mean never to take a phone call. That was convicting to me for sure. Yeah. Well, and I will say I had in my group of 
young mom friends. I did have one friend. She was an amazing mother and I loved her dearly, but she always turned down the invitations for the girls nights out and for any time away from her family. Cause she felt so much guilt about it. She just, you know, she was just a really good committed mom. And she just felt like every second, even when she was home, she was never doing something for herself. She was always downstairs playing like pet salon or doing something that, you know, I was very impressed with because that's not the kind of mom I am. But I mean, to your point, we do need to carve out time for ourselves. So maybe yeah. that's something that you schedule, you know, a little me time to connect with an adult because that is important too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we shouldn't try to escape every moment with our kids. Although for you with a bunch of young kids and homeschooling, I mean, that that is different. That That's a different phase of life than I'm in right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely never say no to the girls night. I feel like that helps keep me sane. And my husband and I make sure we give each other plenty of time to do our own independent, just whatever we desire to do, like coffee houses, if we want to go have a cup of coffee. I mean, it's not a long time, but it's just that break is so important to me being functional. (laughs) You need to remember that you are a woman and a human being outside of this role Mm -hmm. of motherhood. And you're actually going to be a better mother, the more in touch you are with all of the different aspects of your being. So yeah, Yeah. that's really important. So I feel like you somewhat talked about it, but I'm curious to know if you have any other ideas of how to simplify the area of building these personal relationships. Okay. First of all, you don't, if you want to add an extra thing to your calendar and do, you know, the like rotating lunch dates and all those fun things. I mean, I know, I know women who are very successful for doing that. It just suits their personality and it works for their family, but I prefer to just work it into what we're already doing. And like when my kids were little, it was tuck in time. And I, the friend I was just referencing, who was like super mom, she had these elaborate, like 30 minute tuck in rituals that she would do with each of her kids. I think we had five kids at the time. So that took her forever. My, my ritual was not that long, but it did give me a moment with each child to just, um, I would always sing a song, um, share a thought and then say a prayer. And that was just a nice way to just end the day individually with each of those kids. And then often I will admit, apologize for some something that I'd done through the day or how I'd lost my temper. And it just made me go to bed feeling a little more peaceful. But as they get older, talking time wasn't as much of a thing, but I did find that driving them to their activities, their very many activities was a really important touch point for our day. And I kind of learned that the hard way I had hired somebody to help me. This is another one of my keys, hire the help that you need. If you think I'm drowning and I need help, find a way to make it work in your budget or do a swap or something. Um, I had hired a young woman to come to the house. And my idea was I'm going to send her out driving while I stay here and keep the laundry moving and get dinner started and tend to the baby. But I realized I was losing that opportunity to connect with my kids because that's when they would start opening up and she was getting all these good conversations. So we did a little swap and I was more intentional about when we were driving to, um, you know, get them talking and have some conversations. Also taking turns, helping me in the kitchen, you know, mom always needs help getting dinner ready and running errands. And actually I know grocery shopping is not fun when you have a bunch of little kids, but it's actually really fun with big kids, especially if you let them pick some of the things. And yeah, I love actually taking one of my big kids to Costco with me. That's the only way I like doing Costco. 
But then also just what are the things that you like to do? Like I have mutual interests with all of my kids that are so different. One of them loves to cook. So we're always talking about cooking and new recipes. And my daughter, Claire, loves the theater. So it's all about going to the theater and anything to do with music. My youngest son loves to fish. My oldest son loves crosswords. And actually he's living in New Zealand right now. And we haven't seen him for two years because of COVID. And I could just cry about that. It makes me so sad. But we are on a streak. We are going for a golden year of the New York Times crossword. Every single day we finish the New York Times crossword and stay connected, applauding each other for, you know, record times and completing them or giving each other's cryptic clues so that we can finish it without technically cheating. Find the things that you love, find the things your kids love and just do it together. Like we don't need to be adding another layer of complexity to our lives, but just look at what we're already doing and then connect. No, that's absolutely great advice. And I am excited. I'm trying not to rush the little years because they're sweet in their own ways. But I mean, I I do look forward to those years where they're turning into adults and it'll be so, I don't know, if you cultivate the relationship now, it, it will really benefit you. Yes. And the other thing to keep in mind is kids are so forgiving. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll lay in bed as moms and be like, oh, I ruined everything, or I should have been doing this the whole time, or, you know, all is lost, but that is so not true. And so even if you feel like I could be doing better in this area, just start tomorrow and, um, and then you'll mess up again. And that's okay because kids are forgiving and resilient and they know you love them. And, you know, we thank goodness get another shot the next day. Absolutely. So I have a couple more questions for you. And my next question was going to be, do you ever feel like you don't have enough time with each one? But I kind of want to talk about chat books along with this, because I wondered if becoming an entrepreneur, I mean, I can speak from experience now that I have a business and I'm working on the side, my time is limited. So I want to be more intentional. And I wouldn't say I don't necessarily feel like I have enough time at this point, but I also don't have as big of a company as right. you. So anyways, all that to say, I guess, tell me more about how chat books has been impactful to your parenting. Well, to the point of, do I ever feel like I don't have enough time with each child? Of course, especially with a big family, there's never feels like there's enough time. Um, but Luckily, uh, we started the business chat books when our youngest was going to school full time. So every day from basically nine to three, I didn't have any kids at home. And so it was the perfect time to you know spend time building a business. Um, it wasn't always the plan. I actually thought that when he went to school, I was going to go back and get my master's or get my yoga cert- certification. I, I never dreamt of being an entrepreneur, but as far as like, managing time it it was the perfect time in the season of my motherhood to to build a business but to the point of like what do you do with those feelings of guilt um because i think every mom you know will come to a point where they're like oh, i'm just not i'm not doing enough i'm not enough um it always feels like especially with a big family that there's one child that's kind of the center of attention you know usually because they're struggling with something. And so they, you know, they just tend to get your attention and that's totally normal. Um, Things usually seem to even out like right when you think, oh, we've gotten through that problem, then the next child, you know, presents you with some big thing. And so you're always like, one kid just always seems to be in the center. But one day my um, my son, Aiden, who is number Aiden, number four. um, So basically in the middle of the seven, he, you know, he was just a good kid who, 
was super independent and self-sufficient and followed all the rules and did great in school and, you know, just was flying under the radar probably for longer than I want to admit. And one day he had um, a breakdown. This is actually what helped me realize that I was missing out on these conversations in the car because I had hired someone to drive him to his competitive soccer practice because it was out of the way. I just knew I couldn't do it. Um, anyway, one day at dinner, he just had a little breakdown and just, you know, told me in his little, I think he was in fourth grade at the time, little voice that, you know, mom, I just need you to see me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. That was actually what he said. Tell me what I'm doing wrong, which was an aha moment that maybe, you know, focusing on all the the hard things and the negative things that are going on is part of my problem. <laughs> I need to see all the good stuff that's happening. Um, and so that was a big shift for me to um, not just to not just do crisis management, but to, but to look at the good and celebrate the good and the magic that's happening in our everyday. And that phrase, seeing the magic of everyday is actually our new chapbooks mantra because um, life is going by really fast and there are hard things in every phase of life. There's hard things in our families, but there's also so much magic and beauty and joy amid all of the mess and the chaos. And there's Something about in that moment, for me, it's taking a picture. Like, honestly, if you look through my camera roll, I have pictures of, you know, smiling, happy children, but I also have pictures of piles of muddy shoes at the front door when my 15-year-old's friends all come over for movie night, you know, and and the the laundry that, you know, my 13-year-old supposedly had folded in his hilariously Dr. Seuss-style folded <laughs> piles because... Those are the things that I want to remember. That's the real Quigley family stuff. And so, um, you know, we we actually started Chapbooks eight years ago because my youngest, when he was going to kindergarten, had not, he didn't have a scrapbook, he didn't have a photo book, he didn't have anything to hold on to other than this little preschool, I mean, album his preschool teacher had made of snapshots throughout their year. She'd given it to each of the students as a um, graduation gift. And he would pour through that over and over and over again. And I thought it was just a really thoughtful, wonderful gift, but I just, I couldn't shake the thought that there was like more to his life experience than, you know, going to the petting zoo and visiting the fire station. And when I first started my family, it was back in the early nineties and scrapbooking was a rage. And so I also jumped on the scrapbooking bandwagon. And so my oldest and actually my second have some pretty good scrapbooks. My third has like his baby, baby book. But who can keep up with that? It's so much work and it was expensive and it honestly took up like a whole room of my house. So by the time baby number seven comes along, he doesn't have a scrapbook. He doesn't have a photo book. He doesn't have any printed photos except for this little album that his preschool teacher had made. So my husband and I, actually, it was my idea that um, I needed a super easy way to get my photos off of my phone and into the hands of my family. And at the time it was Instagram. That's how I was curating my camera roll by sharing photos on social media with our friends and family. We moved around a lot and I loved using Instagram as a way to connect. So Chapik started as a way of just printing your Instagram. And that was the power of having photos in our hands where we could flip through them and talk about the stories and how we felt and, and what we learned from our life experiences was so powerful and felt so strengthening to our family that we decided to build a business about all around that, about trying to strengthen families. And now most of our chat books are printed right from people's camera rolls. People don't use Instagram the same way, but 
what the message that we are trying to spread out there is that there is beauty and magic in our everyday. And all you need to do is snap a picture of it, freeze that moment, put it in your month book, and then you can look back on it, chat about it and hold on to it forever. So it's alleviated a lot of mom guilt in my family. And it's been a, become a beautiful gratitude practice for me personally. Absolutely. I, I mean, it was probably a couple of years ago. I remember mentioning chat books on one of my podcasts, just because I think we were talking about saving photos and I do a shutterfly book typically. Cause I, like you, I was really into scrapbooking when it was the paper and the stickers you could pick out. I love mm-hmm. doing that with my mom. So this was kind of a way for me to still do that and like really get my hands on. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a creative outlet too. Yeah. It was very satisfying yeah. for a lot of reasons, but I was like chat books, a good friend of mine who is a photographer, she uses them. And I mean, she prints them regularly because it was just something accessible for her and she wanted to print the photos and it wasn't as time consuming. So I remember mentioning that. And now I'm at the point in my life and I'm like, yeah, I don't really have time to do the shutterfly books as much anymore. Yeah. So I've been looking into chat books more just because it is a convenient way to get it printed. And that's the thing. It's like, I want these photos printed. Who's going to look at them on my phone rather than me. Like I want my kids to pour through these. Like you said, your son was pouring over his preschool album. My kids love looking at the pictures of the things that we've done. Yeah. And especially younger children love chat books because that they just sit on the couch for hours. And in fact, my youngest, when his friends come over, he would pull piles of them off and they all would flip through them and he would share stories. And that was just, that was something that was not happening. And it just does, it's not happening anywhere. And unless you figure out how to get them into your hands. And so I feel really good about taking time away from my family, cooking less dinners, you know, all the things that we sacrifice as, you know, working women um, to work on on this business, because I feel like it is helping strengthen families. And it's all about fun and easy, which I think is in line with, (laughs) with your podcast and your brand. Like we're not trying to add anything extra. Like this is literally the easiest way to get photos off of your phone. More importantly, you can have um, a jumping off point to have important connecting conversations that strengthen relationships. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else you like to share with listeners? Otherwise you can tell them where they can find you. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I always try to share, and this comes from, you know, being the oldest of 12 kids and watching my mother, um, mother in a very different way than my friends, mothers and, and the experiences I've had raising my seven children and the different ways that even my sister's parent, um, is just that there's no right way to do or be anything. And I think sometimes we can feel like we're never enough, especially in this age of social media. And we can see what everyone else is doing, or at least the highlights of what everyone else is doing and what their houses look in their peak, you know, freshly cleaned, (laughs) decorated state. And I think, you know, we can lose perspective of, you know, how, what a great job we are actually doing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just like to remind people there's no one right way and we can just, you know, go ahead and scroll and learn and see what other people are doing and then figure out what works for you we will naturally want to scale back on some things and invest in other things. Um, But it's okay to celebrate the efforts and accomplishments of, of what other mothers are doing and what their children might be doing without letting ourselves feel less than. And again, I'm grateful for my mom's example of that. Um, She knew herself and what she was really good at, and she let a lot of other things go. And so, you know, even with 12 kids, you can be minimal. (laughs) She proved that to me. Well, Vanessa, I really appreciate your advice here. I know that you've been 
doing this for years and I really appreciate the wisdom you have. It really spoke to me, but where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you and hear more from you? Well, I am over on Instagram, Vanessa Quigley. Um, also on Facebook, we have a Facebook group called the mom force. Um, it's a very active group of moms. It's moderated. So it never gets nasty over there. And then we also have a podcast called the mom force podcast, where every month I interview a mom expert about something that keeps coming up over and over again in our conversations. Um, and so that's the fun place to connect as well. Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what is something that you're simplifying right now? AKA what is your minimalist moment of the week? Well, I am a huge proponent of working out and I used to think I needed to go to a gym and it needed to be hard and it needed to be, you know, this or that. Um, but I have simplified my workout routine and I'm just getting out and walking and maybe it's because I'm almost 50. I'm, I'm in this old lady mode of life, but there's something so healing and beautiful about walking, especially right now with the beautiful weather. So I'm simplifying my workout and I think I'm still getting a lot of benefit. No, I can, I feel like you and I have so much in common when we're talking, (laughs) but I have done the same thing. I used to be really attached to the gym and I felt like it wasn't worthwhile if I wasn't there ever since I had my third child, I have just started walking and I feel like it has really put into perspective that you can still be fit. I mean, I don't feel like I'm the fittest person ever, but I feel like I'm fit and I can chase after my kids. And all I'm doing is walking every day. Yeah. My mother-in-law, she's a diehard walker. That's what she does for exercise. And she's in phenomenal shape. And so if I have any hope of looking like her or feeling like her, being able to do what she does, I'm down. Absolutely. All right. Last question. What is something that you can't stop talking about? Lately, my conversations are all centered around sharing our stories, the power in sharing our stories with our families. And I know I've mentioned the the strength that can come when we connect by chatting with our families, but especially on social media, social media can be a tricky place. And, you know, now that my kids are older, I'm really sensitive about sharing too much on my own personal page because, you know, privacy and they have opinions and stuff, but so often that we can feel isolated as moms, but connecting through social media can be great. But also when you, um, you know, when you run into a friend and they say, Hey, how are you? How are you doing? I think it's a knee jerk reaction to be like, good. Yeah, great. We're fine. I'm trying to resist that and just be more truthful and honest about how I'm doing without being like a total Debbie downer, but just connecting. Cause I think we're all going through some stuff right now and being able to be um, honest and connect on the good and the hard is really important. So, and that's something that we try to do again over in the mom force and, um, and through the podcast is just like, working together through some of those tough things. Cause I really believe that together we are stronger. Absolutely. It's such a good way to build relationships with new friends too. just being honest and vulnerable, because I feel like more often than not, people are really appreciative for that. Yes. Yes, it is true. And I had an experience yesterday. Someone asked me and we're actually going through some hard things in our family right now. And I haven't been ready to talk about it, but you know how sometimes it just someone asks you the question at the right time and you start to cry. Does that ever happen to you? Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to hide behind curtain tears and be like, everything's great. And I just felt this huge relief off my chest to be able to just say, you know what, we're actually having a hard time. I didn't have to get into the nitty gritty of it, but I got a hug that I really needed. So absolutely, that was good. 
That's awesome. Well, again, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me today. I am going to put everything in the show notes regarding chat books because I highly recommend people check them out, uh, especially like I said, and like you said, just for ease of access and just getting them printed. So I appreciate you coming on today. Great. I love chatting with you. Thank you. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.